Welcome to the Nick's Infinite Playlist Podcast, a show where we always talk about something because something is always on. I'm your host, Nick Hogan. With me this week is a very special guest, a good friend of mine, Chris King. Chris, introduce yourself to the people. Well, first of all, Nick, I just want to say thanks very much for, uh, for having me on. I'm, I'm really happy to be on here. Uh, yeah, we've known each other for, God, how many years has it been now? Uh, yeah, I was going to say, it's been, it's been a while. God, it's been getting on the better part of a decade um yeah which is crazy yeah uh yeah and uh no so yeah for anyone who um uh who doesn't doesn't know me i uh i'm uh i guess still sort of a reviewer writer um i i i was a writer with nick for for many years before he jo- joined up with uh telltale tv uh, i've got bylines on on fandom.com uh the marvel report uh tv Overmind, um and uh yeah, and so I've been in the kind of TV covering the TV journalism sphere for a while since probably about 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, and uh, got another podcast I do called iZombie Radio with uh, another friend of ours, Blaze Hopkins. Um, and I've just always loved movies and TV for as long as I can remember. I still think the first TV show I really fell in love with, funny enough, uh, I was watching it way too, way too young, was probably The O.C., back in uh 2003 i was 11 years old and i still remember like being like wait like when marissa spoiler alert for season one of the oc marissa had an overdose and i was like what is an overdose i don't know what these things are and like <laughs> and i like looked to my mom and my mom was just like uh, yeah you really probably shouldn't be watching the show but, <laughs> so, uh, um but yeah that's i've always just loved uh film and television stories in general and uh so and in addition to all that i'm also uh uh, teacher slash tutor um, at a at a high school here. Uh, I live near Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, and uh, yeah, I just finished up my first year there as their learning center associate, uh, which was really awesome and rewarding. And uh, yeah, so I'm I'm on summer break right now, and uh, I'm glad to be able to hop on things like this, you know, like this podcast with you, Nick, and uh, chat about some TV because uh, I've been binging a lot because I feel like this year I I didn't catch I wasn't like keeping up with enough, so I've been like. I've been catching up on a lot of shows uh, and it's, it's going to be fun to talk about. Awesome. So uh, yeah. So just to give some context, um, Chris and I wrote together for TV Overmind for a a good long while Mm -hmm. um, before I moved to telltale. Mm -hmm. uh, And then, and we met in person a few years ago um, at San Diego Mm comic-con. And so I have several um, couple people who have already been on the podcast and couple people who have expressed interest but have not come on yet um, are because I met them in person at San Diego Comic-Con. So all of this is just kind of fun and surreal for me. (laughs) Um, But uh, I'm glad to have you on. And uh, so uh, one thing I wanted to ask you that I didn't put on this outline, but uh, did you, so if you're just catching up on stuff, did you get hit hard by the cancellation bear? Uh, Not too much. No, I didn't really... I don't think I invested too much in new shows this year. Mm-hmm. Um, part of it was just with grad school, especially this spring semester. I was I was writing my own feature-length screenplay, okay. um, so it was just a lot of me trying to I think be in my own creative bubble and not get too influenced by things. So I was I was like I was watching a lot of sitcoms too to just kind of like relax and unwind. Like I was watching a lot of Brooklyn Nine Nine and yeah and, and which I just loved to death. I was watching and. Uh, you know, I was watching Barry. I'm, I've been a big fan of and things like that. Um, but yeah, so no, no new shows too much. There was a couple ones I wanted to try out. It's always that case where like I had set up recording 
for things. And there's and there's still other ones that that got renewed, like something like um, All American on the CW. I wanted okay. to watch, mm-hmm. so I'm hoping to catch that on Netflix. Um, but even like for me, it was just trying to keep up with shows that I've always been watching. Um, you know, like I a bunch of the superhero shows aside from Arrow, I fell behind. Like Supergirl, even Legends, which I I, I adore Legends of Tomorrow. Um, mm-hmm. It's just it's crazy weirdness. Uh, I fell behind a lot. And like the main things that I was watching were just like things I was reviewing like Arrow or, or iZombie um, or, or th- something like with Game of Thrones just because you, you knew that the conversation at work the next day was going to, you know, have right. something to do with it. And you just didn't want and you knew two seconds after on Twitter, <laughs> too, it was going to be spoiled for exactly. you. Exactly. So, um, but yeah, but I'm, I'm hoping with the summer. So I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm doing some, going to do some Supergirl binging, some Legends of Tomorrow binging, catch up. I, I, I watched the first half of the season of Riverdale. I don't really know what the hell's going on in that show anymore, but you know what? <laughs> I like the cast too much not to watch it. Um, right. And I even fell behind on like, this is us, which like I heard also just got even more sad. So I don't even know if I want to keep watching it. Right. Uh, so but yeah, if there's any first, like any other shows that you could recommend my way, I'm always down, man. But oh, yeah, yeah. No, nothing too bad with the cancellations this year. <laughs> That's good. Uh, I only had a couple and it was like uh, just sitcoms that I really started to enjoy. I thought mm. Abby's had a lot of promise. That's uh, one I wanted to watch. And it, it's, uh, you know, there's, so there's only 10 episodes that'll ever exist. Um, but it was good. You know, it, it had a lot of potential, had a good cast. And then yeah. uh, I'd gotten really into AP Bio. I thought that was a really hilarious show. Dude. Uh, so, yeah. Both one of my pe- got axed and it was it was sad. One of my best friends have been telling me to watch that too, especially because he's a huge always. We're both huge always sunnies, uh, always sunny. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, and I was like, I watched the first two episodes when it premiered. I was like, I didn't love it, but I was like, I, I'm always willing to give sitcoms another chance because it always takes a while for them to find their footing. I feel like right. And I was, I, it was literally, I think that was one of those two where I was like, well, I need a new sitcom to kind of just like relax with. And I saw the cancellation news and saw like they weren't even sure if like the two last two episodes or whatever were going to even air. Yeah. So I was just like, all right, maybe I'll, I'll try to get to it at some point. But then I made it less of a priority. But is it all on Hulu or is it? Yes, it's all on Hulu. Uh, both of those actually, Abby's and AP Bio. Um, and I, yeah, I, I totally agree about it. it's always sunny too. Cause it, I was, I was saying to somebody after one of like the fourth episode of AP bio, I was like, Glenn Howerton feuding with teenagers should be a subgenre. <laughs> yeah. It just, it's just absolutely hysterical. He's so good. It's, it's great. I even watched my, my dad just recently got into always sunny. Um, and I was over at his house. Uh, this is like a few months back and he, cause he's always looking for stuff that he can download and watch on his iPad. Cause he travels a lot for work. Yeah. And he was like, why did no one ever tell me about the show? I go, dad, I've definitely told you about the show, but okay. And, uh, <laughs> I, he was around the water park episode though, though, uh, with like with Dennis, with the, uh, with the young girl when like they're doing the heist together at the water park at the water park <laughs> together. And, and that's like him, like yeah. And so I can only imagine like him, his interaction with her in that episode. Like, I'm sure AP Bio had a lot of that kind of like crazy back and forth between him and the kids. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it really did. Um, so other than that, it didn't hit me too bad. Uh, but I'm I relate to what you say too on falling behind on a lot of those shows and and not. I'm trying to make decisions on what I'm going to go back to and what I'm going to cut my losses on. Um, yeah. You know, like, uh, I haven't seen a single episode of Supergirl this season except the crossover. 
you know, I, I stopped watching Riverdale about when you did. It sounds like uh, This Is Us is another one that you mentioned that where I was like, you know, sounds like that one went off the rails and <laughs> and I, uh, I'm not really eager to get back to that one either. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. I got some tough decisions to make, but you know, that's when you have lives that happens. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to keep each other up to date. Like if you, if I do, I'll say this, the first half of Supergirl, which I watched the most of the first half of the season. Mm-hmm. And I think even a little bit back from the break, I, I enjoyed the whole agent Liberty angle that they were going with. Um, I don't know what other directions it went in after that, that I've heard a little bit mixed on, but I definitely say at least the first half of season four was really, really solid. I enjoyed it. Um, okay. Yeah. Especially compared to, other CW superhero shows where I feel like like something like the flash I gave up on in season four personally, just cause it just didn't, wasn't, wasn't hitting, hitting, uh, hitting like the right feels for me anymore. And it just wasn't, it just felt like, um, it felt like the character moments weren't earned. And at least with this, uh, with this season of Supergirl, I, I thought that the, you know, it was, it was political without like being overtly like hitting you on the head political. And, I thought the character stuff they did um, was was really solid. I, I definitely enjoyed it, especially stuff with the Marsh uh, with Martian Manhunter with John Jones that I really yeah. liked. One of the reasons I let go of it is because they didn't do politics very well. But if they've gotten better at their politics, then uh, you know, <laughs> they, <laughs> better might be a strong word. Better might be a strong word. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like I'm not a, opposed to political topics. It was the way that it was presented entirely that turned me off to it. I'll, I'll say this is better than the everything they did was better than the gun control episode of Arrow. <laughs> That's a pretty <laughs> low bar, though. That was oh god, I still remember writing my review for that episode and just being like, "Guys, what the hell happened, man? What the hell?" Happened? <laughs> but uh, we 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 move on. We digress. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so one of the topics I wanted to get to, um, since you, I know you host iZombie Radio, so I don't want to steal the thunder of another podcast too much, but I want to hear from you <laughs> on how you feel like this season of iZombie is going and um, you know what you think is going to happen with the rest of the season. Yeah, so um, you're, you're completely up to date, right? Yes. Okay, because that's another one where I just, I, I didn't get a chance to watch it, um, live this week and uh, i just watched it over the weekend so i just wanted to make sure because there was some big twists so i guess should we say, preface it with spoilers or i don't want to yeah i mean on this podcast i'm pretty well like well you know i i have a four or five day turnaround time so yeah. if you haven't seen it by then i feel like you really don't care that much uh <laughs> <laughs> very fair my philosophy in it uh skip ahead a few minutes if you're really worried about it cool um very yeah good call i just uh so for me this season's been a mixed bag i'll be perfectly honest um and that's mainly because i feel like we haven't gotten a lot of focus on live um to me you know even if you have other favorite characters on the show like someone like ravi someone like clive Mm -hmm. whoever um that's fine but to me live is the show in so many ways um and so i feel like she's kind of become like forgotten about almost a side character on a lot of these episodes so that's that's disappointed me a little bit Mm -hmm. um which is why i was so excited with it was a somewhat predictable twist but the twist in the most recent episode where our kind of big bad for the season is her dad Mm -hmm. uh which was which was cool because that the 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 family aspect for live is always something that i've wanted the show to go back to as well um because it's something just so again so personal and so tied to her and we had that 
connection with her brother and her mom and it just sort of got dropped and every year at san diego comic-con when i would talk to rob thomas and and the writers we you know someone at our table would always bring it up and be like so are we gonna see liz family again um so i'm glad they brought um her mom back into it and now we're introducing her dad and i'm really hoping that the back half of the season since we only have six episodes left is going to be more live focused Mm -hmm. um but that complaint aside like there's still been so much fun stuff in this season like yeah i feel like it's almost tried to bite off a little more than it can chew which i think is a frequent problem that iZombie has um but like, but the uh, was it five, six, seven, eight episode, the dance episode, fantastic, <laughs> by far the best episode of the season for me. Um, I just it was so much fun, and um, I thought that brain was really entertaining. Entertaining. I love what they had got to do with Ravi. I love that we had Clive, Ravi, and Liv all together again, working together in that episode. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what I've been missing is that that that, that group dynamic from the show because i feel like everyone's kind of been on their own little separate islands this season um and so i'm hoping that it that it kind of the the last stretch of the of the final season here really brings everyone back together again and um judging by the trailers for for this thursday's episode with uh it looks like both ravi and liver on the same brain i'm hoping we're going to get some more of that fun fun group dynamics but uh how about you yeah um i i hear that um as a fan of some of the other characters, you know, it's been fun to get a, I've, we got a lot of major this season yeah. and I really, really love major, mm-hmm. uh, Me too. you know, his uh, teenage girl brain episode from whatever <laughs> that was. It's still one of my favorite all time, like yeah. TV episodes, bar none. Um, <laughs> so, you know, so. Uh, major fans and, and Ravi fans and Blaine fans are getting a lot of uh, getting to have a lot of fun and I'm enjoying that. Um, but I, you know, and I, I recognize your uh, your quibbles with it too, because uh, you're right. Liv does feel like a background character so far this season, and I also feel a little bit like they're trying to fit everything in that they didn't get a chance to do. Yeah, like uh, it's the final season, so we've got to tie up every loose end and do everything, and so that you know this this uh, story with Clive and and Michelle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and like, uh, so just all of it, some of it feels like a little bit more than we need. Just, just feels overstuffed. Yeah. Uh, and that's probably why Liv feels like a background character is because they're like, oh, we want to do this with Clive and this, do this with Major and do this with Blaine. Um, but when I was hopeful for it, as soon as, um, you know, so I have a episode of this podcast that I haven't released it yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, it's going to be released before this one. So I talk with um, another guest about iZombie and we talk about how much, um, you know, we want to see Liv's family again. And then immediately your <laughs> mom comes back. Yeah. Um, so I was like, okay, okay. <laughs> yeah, I guess they're listening. Yeah. Uh, no, I haven't released it yet. <laughs> but uh, So, I mean, it's still a show I enjoy. And I think that the, um, you know, the boiling point that they're going to reach with the, the conflict between zombies and humans is going to be really interesting. And I like that some of the things that have come full circle too, like Liv's family. And, um, you know, when major was at the house with some of those kids at renegade yep. house, um, it was like, Oh yeah. Major was a social worker when we started this. Um, <laughs> well, no, I mean, it's, it's true. We've been talking a lot about that on on iZombie radio about how a lot of things are coming full circle. Even if you look at a villainous arc, like Blaine, like 
he started it. He started the series off killing kids, and look what he's about to do with the Freilich brains, man. He's about right. to like. And what I really love about what they did in, in last week's episode, which was the Blaine focused one, Blaine and Donnie focused, mm-hmm. was that they showed that Donnie maybe has some reservations here. You know that, you know, he's always been an entertaining character, but um, but that like, you know, he might have a little bit more of a heart than Blaine. Um, and, and I'm really curious cause we've been doing like for predictions wise, like, cause I, I feel like Blaine's gotta die. Like he just has to, yeah, you know? And, and so we were like saying like, would it be better if, if, if Robbie did it, if major is the one who did it because, you know, major, cause Blaine's really like part of the reason why major became a zombie in the first place. Mm-hmm. And then I, I even brought up like, what if Donnie, you know, like what if he, somehow takes out Blaine because he sees, you know, that Blaine, he kind of sees all the damage that Blaine's done, you know, like, um, and finally kind of steps up into this more uh, heroic is too strong of a word, but at least a decent person, you know, Uh, that could be, that could be interesting. And I do agree with you though, about all the, it's been fun to see everyone get their moments, their spot, their spotlights. That has been great. Um, I'm just waiting for Liv to get that spotlight, I guess, too. And I think now that we have brought her family back into it and have kind of now introduced her dad, uh, which I'm still like, I got to see how this plays out. Like, I'm excited about it, but I'm also like, I don't know how I f- feel about necessarily the big bad being her her father. But, uh, you know, it, I, I'm, just, I'm just hoping that we just get the, the satisfying emotional payoffs for characters like her and, and Major. Absolutely. Uh, even though I don't know, I don't. I want to ask you this real quick before I, I know we'll probably switch topics too, soon. But uh, this is another thing we've been talking about on iZombie Radio is we, we feel like Major or Liv, one of them, like they're not. We're not going to get the happy ending with them. So we feel like one of them's got to bite it. Do you, what are you thinking? Does that do any of our major characters besides maybe Blaine die because of this whole zombie human um, conflict which judging by the romeros in the jail cell and what dolly durkins has been up to all season mm-hmm. like it's gonna get real bad and the threat of the nuke we didn't even talk about that like so I, I don't know do you think do you think they're all making it out or uh definitely not no uh blaine definitely gonna die somebody else probably too okay uh, and you know who it's gonna be is kind of a toss-up i think but um i feel like either major or live is probably the most accurate. And if I had to pick between the two, if I had to guess live mm-hmm. uh, just because, you know, she, uh, she's going to feel, I feel like maybe her, um, the relationship with her mom and brother is still irreparably damaged. And mm-hmm. so like people are seeing like, Oh, they're going to bring them back. So she's going to fix her relationship. I don't think that's true. And mm-hmm. I also don't think, uh, you know, we really, I don't think that, um, uh, I don't think we'll see her in post zombie life at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just don't, I don't see her getting happy ending with major and I don't see her moving on. And I feel like she will believe that major has a purpose to continue, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially as his relationship with these kids grows yeah. um, and his leadership of Fillmore Graves has been so good mm-hmm. um, or at least so um <laughs> has so much integrity. Yeah. Uh, I was yeah. Just, I, don't, I don't know. Good for, for that kind of organization. Maybe not. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so if I had to guess, uh, you know, it could, it's going to come down to the two of them. And if there's going to be a choice between the two, I think it's live. 
Um, yeah. just, I just feel like this starts with her becoming a zombie and I don't really see her making it out of that ever. Yeah. I'd agree with you, especially given how she gave away her cure last season to Basia, which was lives lives always going to be the one much like someone like Oliver Queen always going to do the sacrifice play. Right. Um, and, and I think she, yeah. And especially now with it being tied to her father, I could see her kind of saying like, you know, now this is my responsibility. Like this is my family doing this, even though she never knew the man. Right. Still, you know, and, and I agree with you that if it's between the, those two, that it's probably going to be live, unfortunately, but we'll have to see off the, off the comeback on after the season, we'll have to chat about it and see yeah, how for sure played out. <laughs> yeah. So um, if you don't have anything else to add on iZombie, um, let's move and talk for a minute about the hundred since mm. uh, you just told me before we started recording that you just caught up yep. <laughs> show that, that uh, until recently that I wrote reviews up for a long time. Um, and so the best for reviews. <laughs> well, thank you. Okay. Um, I, I certainly enjoy it. And I, as soon as I can find um, time to set up a venue for it, I'm going to get back to it. Hell yeah. Um, but so I, I've, uh, the hundred is one of my favorite shows just because it's so, uh, for one, it's fearless. You know, they, they, uh, approach new stories with reckless abandon, uh, and it's in a good way. Like they just don't, they don't linger. There's no filler episodes on the hundred. Um, and then I really like all of the, the morally gray choices that have to be made and the moral decisions that people wrestle with. Uh, so those things above all. And so, um, yeah. So, so what do you think of the hundred so far? Yeah. I mean, I think the way you put it is pretty great. Like this is a show that really does reinvent itself every year. Mm -hmm. Um, season five, I had a lot of character issues with, um, particularly with how both Clark and Octavia were written. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Abby as well. Um, yeah, and so I'm glad to see that this season, at least, that they've kind of, you know, you know I, I like that Octavia isn't being straight up forgiven for everything that she did as Blood Reina. Um, I'm I'm happy, same way with Clark, like, you know, she made a lot of mistakes, and while, yes, I, I've I've gotten a little bit tired of perpetually, perpetually pissed off Raven, um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm just because I think Lindsay Morgan can do, she, she plays angry great, but, like, she can do so much more than that. Right. Um, that you know that again i'm glad that people aren't getting let off the hook for their, their their actions from last season and i really have loved this new setting of the sanctum and and you know and how it's kind of taken something old like something like like the flame and 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 really reinvented it in this way of immortality of of kind of essentially recoding people into new bodies um you know especially this body snatcher uh uh, you know, idea is something we've seen in so many films and, and shows throughout the years too, that it's cool to see the, the hundred do its own, um, uh, its own version of it. Right. And I'd also say too, I, you know, I, I talked to uh, Bob and Eliza, congrats on the wedding, by the way, guys. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and, um, and Jason Rothenberg at New York comic con. And when they were talking about how the planet and how alpha was going to look different, Mm -hmm. and i wasn't sure with their budget and with it still shooting in vancouver i was like how are they going to make it really stand out visually and i think it has oh yeah uh, and that i really want to credit them for too it's felt like a very different setting despite the fact that they're filming in a lot of 
the same locations. Um, so I've, I've really enjoyed those aspects of it. Um, I'm like, <laughs> and I know we're probably going to do a bigger discussion of it. I'm still not sure how I feel about this whole Clark and Josephine uh, storyline yet. Uh, I, I am happy that it's given Eliza Taylor the chance to play something different. And I think she's done a really terrific job with that. Um, and I do, uh, and, and I'm, I'm also curious, like, again, with, with what we're seeing with, uh, how they're like coding people and, and things like that, how that might tie into what's going on with Maddie and the, uh, forgive me, the, the dark commander, or I forget what his name is, the, the, yeah. the evil commander guy. Um, yeah, uh, and so there's there's a lot here that I like, in uh, in similar ways to iZombie, I feel like sometimes it's a little too much. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah, because I'm like even binging it today, I was like, wait, so what? Wait, what's going on here with that? And like with Octavia and um, oh god, oh my god, why am I forgetting the the pregnant woman's name? Dioza. Thank you, Dioza. Um, like they're like now following like this like symbol from the uh what was it the temporal whatever thing it was called I, like that i'm like i'm not sure if we needed all this but uh but yeah it's it's been it's just been fun to have uh the cast all together again to the group especially with them being somewhat apart last season too when when we did the six-year time jump um and and yeah and uh yeah, I, I don't know. I'm really curious. I really don't know where it's going to go either. That's another thing where it's like something like in season two with the mountain men or with the um, city of light, you could kind of see like, okay, like these are clear, like you've said, you, you said it really well with it being morally great, but we also like, we clearly know who the villains are here, right. but with the people in the sanctum, I'm like, yeah, I, I get it. The, the living for everything that's messed up. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of innocent people there. And even, um, uh oh my god i'm so bad with names tonight uh uh jr Bourne's character the the father of josephine um oh gosh, i don't know his name either yeah like he even showed some interesting shades in the last episode where yeah. it's like like so i don't know and that's what i'm excited about i'm really excited like we're halfway through the season and i'm really excited to see how things get tied up in the second half um how about how about you uh same yeah <laughs> um yeah, one of the things I like is the unpredictability. You know, I feel like ever since episode three where that girl just shanks Wells out of nowhere, mm-hmm. uh, that it's just been a wild ride. Uh, so I agree. I, I really think that the Sanctum is interesting for all those reasons you listed. Um, yeah. and, and the Clark Josephine thing is really interesting to me too uh, because I felt like because what we previously knew about the flame – we know that Clark isn't dead. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so do they, I feel like these people just don't know that the, the other person's consciousness stays there. Right. Yeah. And we uh, also didn't see the process, I guess, of how they quote unquote kill these people. Like right. we didn't see what exactly they do. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess, does it just have to do with the coding? I, I don't really know. But yeah, I, I agree with you that we, we know that she's definitely not not fully gone. Right. Especially, you know, at the end of the last episode, uh <laughs> R. Clark wakes up in a like a mind jail kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um 
So, you know, you we know because of what because of the nature of the flame that Clark is probably alive, and then they pretty well confirm her mind is still in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I don't think the hundred the hundred has been bold in killing off of characters, but I don't know that killing off Clark is a territory they want to just yet. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I would hope not. <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them, but I was I was like, eh, I don't know that they're ready for that yet. Yeah, not 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 like was it episode four or something like that of the season. I feel like that's at least season finale territory. Like if you're gonna kill if you're gonna kill her off. Although I still was surprised that they killed off Shaw as quickly as they did in yeah. episode one. And then I thought um I thought Kane was a goner too. Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. Especially because he he was on another show, but mm-hmm. that but show he got canceled and and hundreds still around. So cryo sleep turned out to be perfect. Yeah, fingers crossed. I love Henry and Cusick, so I hope he stays on. Same. Uh, yeah. So so I really think that the uh, that reincorporating the flame and just uh, just the kind of general uh, this civilization of people who came straight to this planet after the earth fell, you know? Um, so they speak English, but their society has just developed in a completely different way. Uh, and I really like the way that they use, uh, to kind of catch Josephine and Clark's body. They use the, the grounder language. Yeah. I thought that was, and she knows all these other ones, but she, you know, she knows Mandarin, but right. (laughs) She has no idea what they're talking about because it's a language that's developed since they left earth. Mm -hmm. Um, so I just, I think all of that's really interesting. And I think that the creators, Jason Rothenberg and all of them do a great job of just building this world and letting us believe that we're there for an hour every week. Um, Cause it's just so, it just feels so rich and real. And, you know, I always feel like I have questions and then they get answered. Yeah. And before yeah. I really ask them, you know, like how do these people speak? It? Oh, they came from earth too. Um, <laughs> you know, why aren't yeah. they speaking? They're aliens, but they look an awful lot like humans and they speak English. Oh, they're not aliens. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Very true. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, that's a, uh, no, that's, that's a great call. And, and with this Clark Josephine thing, I, I think what we're setting it up for something like how we got had in the season three finale, I believe it was when Clark's in the city of light. Mm-hmm. Um, where it's something like that kind of internal struggle, I think we're going to get either, I guess, probably in this week's episode, or um, I think something like that, where we're going to see Clark kind of start to battle back. And I'll be curious to see if she's able to like fully t- overtake her body, or if it's going to be this kind of like weird Jekyll Hyde sort of thing, like where Clark gets control sometimes, Josephine gets control other times, like. Mm-hmm. I'll be really curious to see how they, uh, how they go, like what direction they go in with it. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. And I mean, do you have any predictions regarding that? Like, do you think that one way well, or the other? It's definitely going to, um, the Clark and Maddie thing is going to have a give and take because they're both kind of being taken over. Uh, you know, one's fighting off and one's succumbed so far mm-hmm. to these other people's, minds these other people's personalities um and so there's definitely going to be some of that and then i i feel like maybe um one other person might join the royal family so to speak yeah uh you know like i kind of i kind of feel like maybe murphy's gonna take that like he's gonna take somebody else's uh personality or he's gonna want to Mm -hmm. 
um, they might make him a night blood or I'm not sure what they're going to do, but, uh, they're definitely going to create some more night bloods. Yeah. And we're definitely going to see more people with those things in their heads. Um, after this, you know, in the second half of the season. Yeah. I feel like, you know, we, you hear about Chekhov, Chekhov's gun. There's multiple guns with all those different flames, you know, like, right. And now that they're all empty. Yeah. I, I feel like, yeah, there's at least one more major character is gonna, it's gonna kind of take the plunge. Um, I think that's a really great prediction. And with Maddie, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm curious if Maddie's gonna, part of me could see Maddie going full dark and then Clark having to try to be the one to pull her back. But I mean, as we've seen the hundreds not opposed to killing kids either. So I could even see if worse comes to worse, like someone having to take Maddie out, um, which I, I don't know. I don't know how Clark would come back from something like that, but right. Oh man. Yeah. It's exciting though. This season's been, I've very much enjoyed season six more than season five. I would say so far. Yeah. I heard a lot of that about season five and uh, you know, I, I, so far I'm enjoying season six much better. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not that I didn't dislike season five, uh, but you know, I think, you know, we're trying to make predictions and I'm one of the best, one of my favorite parts about the hundred is that I can't predict it. <laughs> like I'll say, Oh, it's, it's maybe they're going to do this. And it's just like, Nope, complete left turn. Yeah. Uh, and that's, that's what I love about it is because when a show gets too predictable, I get bored. Yeah. Um, I totally get that. The hundred yeah. is probably when somebody asked me for the least predictable show, I know the hundred yeah. I tell them that's not, nah, it's a great call. It really has been. And I think with this season, it's, yeah, it's, it's 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 kind of really reaffirmed that too, and and in a way that I think feels more in character uh, mm-hmm. than than last season. Which, like again, I didn't dislike last season. I think it was just more like I felt like they were they weren't earning their unpredictability as much. Um, whereas this season, I feel like it's 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 just it's been. I think it, a lot of it too has to deal with the new location, right? Mm-hmm. And there's so many unknowns. I feel like it's been very uh, very authentic, and I've just uh, yeah, I've. I've been loving it and I'm excited to see how it, how it wraps up. Yeah. I think they'll uh, start to bring their characters all back together. You know, the Diosa and um, Octavia will kind of come back in and maybe they'll wake a few more people up and then uh, we'll really get cooking. Yeah. 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 That's all I'm going to predict because <laughs> trying to predict too specifically is just going to bite me in the butt. Yep. Um, yep. I'm with you there. <laughs> so, um, one more current ish show that I'd love to chat about for a second. Uh, since my reviews of the hundred kind of got popular there for a while, uh, your reviews of arrow kind of got popular. Uh, so <laughs> I would love to hear your thoughts on how season seven went mm-hmm. and um, you know, what do you think, how do you think it's going to go the rest of the way? The last 10 episodes. Yeah, man. Um, so season seven was a mixed bag. I would say it was m- more positive for me than negative for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoyed the prison arc with Oliver. Um, I thought that got to explore some similar story beats with him, some similar character moments, but in a new way. Um, I, you know, I, I like that it reintroduced uh, us to bronze tiger and how he came back into into the fold, and that like that's who Connor Hark, Hawk is. Um, I love the flash forward. Uh, story. Oh yeah. yeah, I thought that was terrific. Um, and I just thought that 
you know, with it being with with Black Star turning out to be Mia Smoke, you know, and with Connor Hawk being, you know, Diggle's adopted son, and uh, there just was like so many nice connections there, um, to the point where, and and with um William as well, um, to the point where I would frankly be cool with season eight mostly taking place in flash forwards, like it literally just being Oliver and whatever he's doing with the monitor, and um and then the star city 2040 storyline um that to me would ideally be what season eight's about because no offense to the other characters but i i this show to me has always been oliver diggle and felicity and i've i've enjoyed i've enjoyed renee what he's brought i've enjoyed what dinah's brought um sometimes in especially in season six which the less said about season six of arrow the better uh, there was some very plot over character writing that I think really threw the new team under the bus. Um, to I know that some of the fandom hasn't gotten over it. Um, I have for the most part. I still think uh, Dinah can be a little indignant sometimes. I still think uh, you know Renee can be a little. Um, what's the word I'm looking for here? He, he basically like. I don't know. He, he, he doesn't really take, he doesn't necessarily take the fall all the time when he should. Right. Um, but, but overall, I really enjoy them as characters and I'd like, and I'd like to see them continue to be a presence, but in the future storyline to me, star city, now that Oliver's gone and Felicity's gone from the present storyline, I, I don't really need more of that. I don't need to see how team arrow continues to defend star city mm-hmm. um, in, in their, uh, in their absence. Cause really, I mean the season seven finale, which I, Personally, was I thought the best episode of the season. Um, I thought that worked in some ways as a series finale, mm-hmm. um, and obviously it felt that way because Emily Bet Ricards is leaving, which I think is personally, I, I I think it's a huge loss to the show. But I also understand her needing to wanting to pursue other things. She's been on the show for seven years. I also know that the season eight renewal was kind of late, and I think some actors made other plans. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the way they capped Felicity's storyline was really beautiful and earned and, and just really like wonderful what they did with her and Oliver and Mia and then with her going with the monitor at the end. Um, I just think that really honored their relationship, which has been such a huge part of the show. You know, it's been those two and it's been uh, Diggle and Oliver and um, Felicity and, and Diggle. And then for a while there too, Oliver and, and Thea. Like, I think those are really some of the core relationships um, and so I, I really would like to see my, my hopes for season eight are that we, we kind of, I don't know, is that Oliver, despite seeming being on his own mission, you know, that he doesn't, that he doesn't get completely cut off from everyone else. Like I still want to see Oliver and Diggle interacting. Mm-hmm. Um, I need Oliver at some point to interact with, with, uh, Mia with, uh, 2040 Mia. Yeah. Um, because like he's dead, but he's not. I can't see this show killing him off in Crisis on Infinite Earths like that, and and keeping right. to it. I just I feel like he's earned um, he's earned at least a happier ending. It doesn't need to be like you know happily ever after, but everything he's gone through, he doesn't deserve to die. And I frankly think that's the boring story choice for him. Yeah. You know, as I mentioned earlier, when we we're talking about Liv, about how Oliver is always also going to be one who does the sacrifice play. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it gets, you know, it gets old watching him suffer after a while. 
And I think what is this seven, eight year journey worth if he doesn't somehow end up in a better place uh, than when he started, especially with everything he's gone through with Felicity and, and, and Diggle. Um, but yeah, uh, but that's my, my thoughts are that we'll hopefully get, if I'm predicting for what I'm hoping to see, or at least giving you my wish list, is that we get a lot of Star City 2040 and that we get Oliver, you know, working with the monitor. And then, I mean, it's 10 episodes. I, I, I like, I just don't know. I don't even know what the big bad would be. You know, like we know crisis is coming, but like that's got to be saved for the crossover. So does Oliver like fight like some type of like, you know, villain of the week of the big bad of crisis every week does, you know, we know that the, uh, wasn't uh, the season eight villain was like that company, which his name is escaping me. Um, and like, I think that was pretty much taken down by the time Felicity left. So like, I really have similar to what we were saying about the hundred. I don't really know what's going to happen with arrow. And that is really is what's gotten me so excited about this final season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but I'm, it's going to, the, the fact that it's going to be new and it's going to be different. Um, and I think it's a kind of a cool way to, you know, the show in recent years has really been a lot about legacy and what Oliver's legacy is. And I think in a lot of ways it's his daughter and it's his, it's this team that they've now cultivated. Um, and so I think not focusing on them would be a mistake um, in this, in the final season, I, I think focusing on them and, and also, you know, giving us the conclusion to what Oliver Queen's journey is. And hopefully that conclusion is not just death. Um, that's really the only things I can predict and that I can really, that I really think and hope we'll see. Um, but yeah, what about you? Um, you said it better than I ever could, but <laughs> uh, I agree. Um, a lot of what I've, I've got a lot of uh, just genuine curiosity going into season eight. Yeah. Um, I, I enjoyed season seven for the most part. It was definitely better than season six. Uh, <laughs> we won't speak of season six anymore. The, the, uh, so, the civil <laughs> war storyline between team arrow and season six, dude, Jesus God. I those know reviews, those reviews were pure torture. To <laughs> <laughs> um, when, you know, they, uh, they got rid of Curtis halfway through this year, which I am not going to complain about. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so the the only thing that's like it's got me really curious is that you know Emily Bat Rickards is gone, mm-hmm. so you know what do they do? And then uh, I wondered about they've got this they got this gravestone for Oliver in 2019, mm-hmm. but did he really die in 2019, or is that their way of explaining where he went? Um, you know, because he goes off with the monitor, he disappears, and yeah. they say he dies in 2019, but it does he die? You know, is he is he more of a, you know, his uh, the rumor was that his original plan was to to end Arrow after season seven and to just like come back for the crossovers. And Which, so I, I wondered if this is a a way to do that is yeah. to, to kind of be an immortal crime fighter to maybe like replace the Monitor or mm. do something like that where he does he's um, his life becomes eternal and not of this world. Um, and that would be an easy way for him to put him in 2040 for a little while. And yeah, uh, that's a good call. And also it makes sense then where Felicity goes, you know, like exactly. 
because I mean, there's a lot of, you know, where does she go there at the end? And I, I don't need the necessary place. Like I'm not trying to get too spiritual on this podcast, but to me, wherever she's going is wherever Oliver's soul is, you know? And, right. um, and that's all that matters to me is that they'll be together. Um, because, you know, sorry if you guys don't like Oliver and Felicity. I, I'm a big Oliver and Felicity fan. Uh, but uh, <laughs> anyone who's listening, I just so I think they deserve that, that, that happy ending in, in, in a way. Um, but yeah, and, but I, I just want to make sure that by the end of the series that we know that Oliver Queen is, is somehow, whatever he's doing, that he's, he's okay with it. Even if he is this new monitor, as you say, which I think is a really cool prediction that like, you know, in a lot of ways, crime fighting crime is, in, is like the only thing that did make sense to him. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was his way of kind of healing once he really found the right path to it and wasn't just killing names off a list. Um, so I, I could see that being a satisfying ending for me still, as long as he gets to connect with his daughter, that's, that's it. If he does not somehow get some like connection with Mia, especially with Catherine, um, McNamara being so good. Yeah. Very good. So good. Um, I will be very, that will be one thing where I'll be going, you know, what the hell arrow you really dropped the ball on that one. But, um, but yeah, it's, Again, it's one of those unpredictability ones. We're going to have to see, like, I think they just announced it comes back on October 15th. Um, so yeah. we got got some premiere date. We got the, and so the end date will probably be sometime in December then after the, the crossover. So it's, it's going to be here before we know it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's, it's coming up pretty quick. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, um, I was just, the uh, monitor thing is, it makes a really interesting, uh, way for him to kind of I think it would be a really interesting way also for him to like say goodbye to some of his, mm. his loved ones you know Colin Donald's just left Chicago Med he's a little bit free now very true uh, so if he's if Oliver's all of a sudden not bound by space and time he might get to uh, have some cathartic moments with some characters of the past which is that's always something that I want to see in like a final season yeah just you know bring back some old characters give me some good old-fashioned nostalgia before the show ends um and i just feel like you know if we can if you could get jamie sheridan and Susanna thompson and um willa holland and colin donnell and some of those original cast members that you should (laughs) yeah Uh, if you have to play with space and time to do it um so you know, I'm I'm op- I'm pretty optimistic overall the way season seven ended. Me too. And uh, um, I'm looking forward to season eight. Me too. And and Beth Schwartz, I trust. I think she's on. She's got a really good handle on. I think at least she's got a really good handle on what the stories are for the 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 main the main characters on the show. Like maybe like the main. I would say the main three, and then even like some someone like Roy as well. Um, I think she's got a real good handle on what she wants to do with them. So I'm I'm very. I'm very optimistic as well. Yeah, and uh, you don't you don't have to apologize for being an Oliver and Felicity fan on this podcast because I think um, <laughs> the numbers are in, and the one that I had Jen on is like so far the most listened to. So, oh yeah, it's less less of an okay, <laughs> less of an apology, and it's just I think it's just my like Twitter shield coming up okay, because yeah, it's yeah. like for as much love, and I want to do say if anyone who listens to this reads my reviews, thank you guys so much for all the love and support you've given me on them and all the the great comments. I it they sincerely means the world to me but yeah it's like 
after every one of them too, that you always get someone like, ah, you like Nolicity, you blah, blah, blah. I'm just like, <laughs> well, whatever, man. Like, I still remember when my piece on fandom got published about uh, what like Felicity would do in season seven, like my hopes for her. And oh my God, they just swarmed on me. <laughs> like, I was just like, I've never hit mute more, but uh, oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I, it's it's obvious to me that they have chemistry and so i don't understand what people are so mad about like yeah yeah i, I exactly like that's let the it play out and exactly it, like it wasn't like a it wasn't like a calculated f you to comic book fans it wasn't like it's just like right it's just if you go back and rewatch the series like nothing i love katie cassidy as an actress i do i loved her on supernatural especially but she and Stephen amell nothing just nothing. I'm sorry. And then right. em- and Emily Bet- uh, Ricards comes on. And it's like, whoa, okay. They've got like this really unique kind of cool chemistry. Oliver and Felicity have this fun, like very odd couple kind of bond. Like they're from very different worlds. She makes him smile. Like this is, yeah. yeah I, anyway, that, that's another, <laughs> said that for another podcast. I'll let you move oh, yeah. on to the next segment. But <laughs> so, Next is uh, the segment that I call Infinite Playlist is dedicated to what we're loving right now. Why and how to get in on it. So um, when Chris and I were planning this, we decided, uh, since we're about halfway through the year, to use Infinite Playlist segment to talk about our uh, favorite films so far of the year. Mm -hmm. Uh, So just to cap, you know, just to put a time limit on it, um, what? how about your top three favorite films of 2019? 2019 so far and uh just some thoughts about that for sure yeah 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 well i'll i'm gonna cheat here tell you my 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 top three and just i there's one i one in particular i want to spotlight because i don't know how many people have seen it which is like in my top five mm-hmm. uh so I, I i keep i'm a nerd who keeps it on uh letterbox the uh the app oh, yeah. Yeah, so, so I've seen 24 new releases this year, and uh, top three right now are Avengers Endgame, uh, Shazam, and John Wick 3. Um, but the, the, and I mean, Endgame, I feel like anything and everything's already been said about that, but just what a satisfying ending to, to everything. Yeah. Shazam, I've loved Zachary Levi. I think you, you're a Chuck fan too, right? Uh, oh, yes. Yeah, so I, I thought so. I was, like, I was like, I know Nick and I have talked about Chuck before. Um, and seeing him like get that opportunity to really play, to play a superhero and and to do it so well, and it was just so much fun. Like I haven't laughed in a theater like that in, in a long time, and I just I was grinning from ear to ear from beginning to end of that movie. So Shazam's definitely one. If you haven't seen it yet, if you missed out on it, check it out. And John Wick Three is just one of the best action movies I've seen of all time. It's just. I actually saw it again recently with a friend um, who hadn't seen it. And, and so I, I kind of was like, my expectations were kind of out the window and I just got to focus on the fights mm-hmm. and uh, it just, it blows me away. There's a knife fight at the beginning. That's just fantastic. Keanu use, literally uses John Wick literally uses like a horse to kill a person. Um, it's just, I don't want to give too much away, but it's great. Um, and lastly, I just want to say, give a shout out to a movie that I don't know how many people have seen this year, but I, one of my favorites is Fighting With My Family, um, which is the one based on the wrestler Paige, her life, um, who I, I haven't watched wrestling in years. Like I, I was a big fan during the Attitude Era with The Rock and Stone Cold Steve Austin and Undertaker, Triple H. Um, 
but I mean, this movie kind of spoke to me as a, as someone who, who, who did love wrestling, but more importantly, it's just a really great sports story. Um, I liken it to something like Eddie, the Eagle, if anyone's ever seen that. Um, and it's a really good sibling movie too, because it focuses on Paige and her relationship with her brother. Um, and I mean, I got my mom and my, uh, 82 year old grandmother to watch this and they loved it almost just as much as I did. So it just, it, it goes across. <laughs> It goes across generations. It goes across interests. It's just a really, it's a really fun film. And that's another one like Shazam, where I was just laughing a ton in the theater. Mm-hmm. It's directed by Stephen Merchant of, you oh, know, yeah. yeah, as you know, UK Office, and you know, I guess most recently was in Logan, and um, and he plays even a small role in it. And Nick Frost and uh, Lena uh, Lena Headey are her parents, um, and it's Florence Pugh plays Pugh who plays. Uh, plays page and just it's it's a great time so and i think it's out on it's out on blu-ray and like um and streaming now so if you that's my that would be my highest recommendation of maybe a movie you haven't checked out yet uh that's maybe falling by the wayside uh is fighting with my family but top three again is avengers endgame shazam and john wick three awesome um yeah so i haven't seen nearly as many of the films this year as you have uh, I, I, I wonder why one of us has two kids and the do other one does it. Yes. <laughs> um, so, the theater and like my poor wife, we had planned to go to Avengers Endgame on her birthday, and my daughter ended up being born the day before that. So my poor wife has still not seen Avengers Endgame. Oh, uh, no. which I just feel really bad about, but I've seen it twice. Um, <laughs> You've seen it more than me. <laughs> So uh, anyway, <laughs> Avengers Endgame is easily my top of the year. Just yeah. the way that I brought everything full circle. Um, and it just, you know, I've been a little more, admittedly, more weepy now since I've become a father. Um, but goodness gracious, did it make me cry. Yeah. And it, it's just, it was just a, a really great both from a spectacle perspective and from a storytelling perspective mm-hmm. and that's what i really enjoyed about it the most is that it's not like it's not like uh one of the movies that i hate more than anything is avatar because <laughs> <laughs> it's all spectacle and no substance and that's it's it was the exact opposite of that it was spectacle and substance combined perfectly uh, yeah uh, so Agreed. and then you know it shouldn't shock me that we have similar tastes because i also had shazam uh in my list here <laughs> yes. um which you hit the nail on the head zachary levi getting that opportunity was just fantastic um watching him floss in the promos was enough for me <laughs> and, and just that that movie's just an absolute blast yeah uh, everything about it yeah and then, um so my third one I, the one that i picked is uh I've I've seen several and I liked all of them, but um, I think my third favorite of the year is Always Be My Maybe. Yes! <laughs> so good! Um, which is just like, I'm not usually a rom-com guy, but Randall Park is perfect in this mm-hmm. movie. Uh, he just, he hits all the right notes. Um, Ali Wong is pretty fantastic in it too. Mm-hmm. But of course, my favorite part is Keanu Reeves. <laughs> and my new favorite song is I Punch Keanu Reeves. Yup. Uh, <laughs> so it's just, you know, it's obviously 2019 is the year of Keanu Reeves. Uh, that's pretty obvious by now. 
because uh, <laughs> you know you john wick three me always be my maybe and uh, he was i don't know what i like better that's the issue it's like yeah john wick three <laughs> is like it is him the entire movie but his like what 10 minute cameo and always be my maybe is what the one line he says in it too where he's like he's like the the only stars we see are the ones we dream or something like that <laughs> i had to pause it i was watching in my house i had to pause it i was laughing so hard and oh my god it was uh he was so fantastic in that movie dude. <laughs> i know so, um and i just i can't think of a third one that i liked more mm-hmm. uh, yeah. it's in my top know, 10 yeah i i really liked uh captain marvel and i really liked book smart mm-hmm. uh, and i've seen a lot of movies for the first time this year that were not of this year. So I'm doing a lot of like playing catch up when I'm sitting and holding the baby and move. Uh, so, you know, I've seen a lot of movies like uh, Bumblebee and there you go. Um, the first two planet of the apes of the oh. new ones. And like, um, and the, uh, they did like a reboot of the Pokemon movie. Which oh. I, I actually really liked. Oh, okay, nice. So not the, I've not seen Detective a lot of Pikachu, a different one, right? Right. I did see Detective Pikachu. Um, I did too. And it was I, okay. I, yeah, I, it was better than I expected. Uh, yeah. And I, I lowered my expectations pretty low, but. <laughs> uh, real, real quick, I want to ask you just because about Endgame both being our number ones. Um, do you have a favorite moment? Like, if you had to choose one. Well, I have one. So I'm going to have to say when Captain America wields Mjolnir. Yep. Yep. That's, <laughs> so that's, that's number, that's number two for me, actually. Yeah. That's, I mean, I, I think that's the one I lost, lost, uh, I'll, I'll be, uh, what's it called family friendly. I lost my stuff the most in that, <laughs> uh, in that experience. In the, I, I, I just lost it completely. I was like, I was, it was my friend Blaze and I, as you know, we talked about, but we were sitting next to each other and we like grabbed each other's arms and we're just like, Oh my God, can you believe this is happening? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I think, and, and that moment is great. But for me, cause Cap is my favorite character, dude. It's, it's, it's dancing with Peggy. Oh and yeah. I was, I, I mean, I started like Tony, Tony's death got me, but Cap with Peggy is where I was just an utter mess at the end of that movie. But uh, yeah, I pretty much cried from tony straight through the end yep uh but you know uh from i am iron man to uh now you can rest uh what the worst of it for me was his daughter and the scene with happy where she was like i want a cheeseburger yep yeah and happy was like your dad liked cheeseburgers too kid and yep. like, oh my gosh i'm starting to tear up just thinking about it now Whew. I know. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're going from one tiery movie to another man <laughs> <laughs> yeah Whew. but uh yeah so avengers there's just so much i liked about it and almost nothing that i didn't i mean i Sure, I wish that one of those portals would have opened and Daredevil, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, and Iron Fist would have popped out of it. Mm-hmm. But I'll live. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> it's still the best movie of the year and probably cracks my top 10 of all time, honestly. Yeah, um, it's fantastic. Yeah, it was excellent. So 2019 has been a great movie year so far. Uh, and, you know, so if you haven't gotten a chance to check out these movies, uh, some of them have been released on Blu-ray already always be my babies on netflix um you should do it because definitely a lot of great movies out there 
definitely. It's been really, it's been, some of the blockbusters have been disappointing, but there's a lot of good small ones. I know you mentioned Book Smart. I really liked Us as well. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, there, there's just, yeah, there's too many to list, but yeah, it's really good. <laughs> the only thing I can say for certainty is I haven't seen a worse movie than Hellboy. <laughs> i didn't bother um i'll stick to stranger things to see my david harbour yep if, yep if i didn't have the amc a-list subscription man i wouldn't have been there either <laughs> all right so finally our final segment is uh i do a rotating segment every week and we're gonna bust out those peanuts and cracker jacks as it's time for our segment called take me out to the ball game which is an attempt at watching every baseball movie ever made this is our second installment of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. First, Adam Davis, a few episodes back, and I covered The Sandlot, um, which is one of uh, – it's a great movie. But it's now, Chris and I have decided that we're going to tackle Field of Dreams. Mm-hmm. So, And this, this is also a first-time viewing for you. Is that correct? Uh, at least full, first time in, like, forever. Like, I probably saw it when I was a kid. Yeah. Um, but like, and I know, I knew the ending, you know, like dad, you want to play catch. Um, and yeah. obviously like if you build it, he will come James or Jones. But, uh, but yeah, I did not, uh, what's it called? I just didn't remember how weird it was. Honestly. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I like, had the same thoughts. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm watch rewatching it to, to talk about it with you. And yeah. I was like, it, it is a little strange, uh, yeah. that he hears a voice and he's, you know, he, he gives into it so easily, first of all. Like, he's just like, oh, I heard a voice, so I got to do this thing now. It happened so quickly, within the first 15 minutes. <laughs> and I, I, I had not remembered that. And, you know, uh, Timothy Busfield plays Danny Concanon on The West Wing, and he's in this movie. Mm. Um, and he's just like, you're an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just like, yeah, I kind of, I, you know, I probably thought of him as a bad guy when I was younger, but I... Uh, I, I see things from his perspective. Yeah, man, you're uh, gonna lose the farm, man. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> just, it's just, um, you know, it's completely illogical. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it's one of the things that, uh, first of all, it's it's directed by and written by Phil Alden Robinson, who uh, is probably I tried to pick just like his best known credit to put on our outline, and he's like the creator of The Good Fight which is on um, the good wife spinoff that's on CBS all access. Mm -hmm. And so um, I forget where I was going with that, but then um, there was also this, like the recent controversy Mm. happened where this article came out that was like field of dreams is not a good movie. And I don't, I still don't think that's true at all No, Um, But I think that, you maybe have to have a specific frame of reference to, to like it. And so I, for one, um, am somebody that connects with his dad through baseball mm. and I always have, and I always will. Um, that's something that my, one, of, one of my brothers and my dad and I will have just like a group text and it's all Cincinnati red stuff. <laughs> and so um, for me, that was the, that was the anchor for the movie was um, the emotional pull of the romanticism of baseball. Yeah. And I definitely can understand how a modern television journalist who's trying to get clicks um, would not understand. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, upon rewatch, it is a little weird. Um, but the heart of the movie is still there for me. 
Um, yeah. What about you? What do you think? Yeah, I'd agree with that. I agree with that. I think that's what it was, right? It was like any time where I was like, wow, he and his wife are really just going for it. Or <laughs> even like where his wife yells at the, the woman um, during like about banning books. And I'm like, this is a little over the top. Like, I don't know. Like, we could probably tone it down here. Just like compared it to a Nazi. Um, all right. Uh, but like anytime something like that would happen, I, I agree with you where to me, this is like, it's an old fashioned movie in a lot of ways because we don't really get these romantic films anymore and obviously i think we both know what i'm saying romantic here i'm not talking about you know actual romance between a man and a woman this idea of loving something so much you know and, right. and just having this almost godlike bond as we as we see you know it's, it's this incredible power that baseball has and uh, it makes me think of the line in moneyball where they say like oh man how can you not get romantic about baseball yeah um, because it's the truth like it's something that brings fathers and sons together or even like my mom and I um we still watch like Phillies games together as much as we can like we're um like baseball has always been my, my dad likes baseball but he's always football's always been more of his sport whereas my mom and I it's always been baseball with us and and for me baseball's always been my favorite sport I've, I've played it when I was younger and I've just I've been a diehard Phillies fan since I remember watching them back in the late 90s when they were trash at the vet like <laughs> we're we're Desi Relaford was like our shortstop and our only oh, name, gosh. our only <laughs> name guy on the team was Scott Rowland, um, who is no longer allowed back in Philly cause he sucks. But anyway, uh, the, um, but, uh, but yeah, but no, I, I, so I think I really like the, the history of it, obviously with him, like connecting to the, um, the Chicago white Sox and, and shoeless Joe, um, and all that was great. But yeah, that, that, that romanticism of it, of just the simple, he's sitting there with his daughter and they're just watching them play. And I just think it's a really beautiful thing and how that also breaks through to James Earl Jones, James Earl Jones's character, you know, mm-hmm. um, of, um, of Terrence Mann. And I just think, uh, you know, we, we all, we're, we're very divided nowadays. I feel like, especially in this country with a lot of things. And mm-hmm. but there are some things that really bring us all together. And, and I think sports are, spe- are one of them. I think baseball specifically is, especially for, um, I, th- I think for, it's a, it's a really a generational sport, you know, where it really is passed down from fan, from father or mother, or whoever to, to their children. And I think there's a beautiful thing about that. And I think when you have that bond with a family member, you know, like, you know, the whole idea is that Ray's trying to reconcile his relationship with his dad because he never could. And the fact that he, he just simply says, you know, dad, you want to have a catch? And you know, after that, that everything's going to be okay, that they're, that everything's kind of forgiven. And right. There's, there's a rarity in, in that simplicity, you know, um, but, but baseball is one of those things that can kind of, can kind of cut through the BS of life and really just bond people together. And I think that's what this movie captures so wonderfully. Um, and also just like, I mean, whatever your relationship is with your dad, man, like good, bad, or otherwise, like mine's not the best, but like you always just don't want to have a catch with your dad. And like, so that last bit of there at the end, Oh my God. When he introduces him to his, his daughter, there's a look on the guy who plays his dad's face. And it just, Oh God, it got me. I was sitting there by myself, like slowly (laughs) starting to cry in my living room. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I think, um, part of that is it appeals to every every boy who was raised in America who played in a t-ball game at one point in their life that um, the opportunity to have a catch with your dad at some time is going to go away. Yep. Uh, and so this one 
you know, he, he gets another opportunity. Um, and it's just, you know, it's something that everybody inherently knows that is never going to happen. You know, once yeah. you've gotten your last opportunity, you've gotten your last opportunity. And like, I have a pretty good relationship with my dad. Uh, he's probably going to be listening to this. Hey dad. Um, <laughs> so, Mr. Hogan. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, dad and I played softball together for a few years for the church. Um, and so that, you know, like he was, and he was always much better at that than me. Um, but it was a way that we bonded. And so there's still like pictures hanging up at my parents' house of like dad and I wearing the same softball uniform. Um, and just that stuff that's never going to go away. And of course we bonded because I'm, I'm at least a third generation Reds fan because my grandpa and my dad were both big fans and they would take me to games. Um, yeah. And so that's just one of those things that my love for baseball is always going to be because of my dad. And yeah. that's just the whole point of the movie really is the guy reconciling his unfinished business with his father. Mm-hmm. And, and I can relate to that and I can relate to, yeah, I'd build a huge field on my farm if I got to see baseball players given get another shot yeah uh there's lots of deceased baseball players that i would almost lose my farm for um (laughs) or even just retired i don't know Uh, yeah not seriously seriously. (laughs) but uh you know it's it's it was um i understand i think i can understand that was i don't know if it was vox or or some other outlet that posted that article about how field dreams is not a good movie. Um, I disagree. Uh, but I understand where they were coming from and it's just, uh, based on my upbringing and my experience, I think it's beautiful. Yeah. I, you said it better than I could, man. And I think, I think it's a movie you need to come to with no cynicism and you just need to be, you know, you need to be open to the sentimentality of it and know that it's earned sentimentality. You know, this isn't a movie that, um, I think it's trying to take shortcuts. I think it's just trying to, similar to what you said, I thought you said it wonderfully, this idea that we're all going to get old, too old where we can't have a catch with that anymore. And it speaks to that universal desire, that desire to want to connect with our, with our fathers or our parents, you know? And, exactly. And it, and it communicates it through, my opinion, the best sport, um, the best sport ever, which is baseball. So, uh, yeah, dude. I, I'm, glad, I'm glad I got to rediscover it. You know, it, was, it was really fun to watch. Yeah, it's it's um, definitely a great baseball movie. A little unconventional and different, but if you haven't seen it before, check it out. It's well acted. Yeah, uh, Costner's great, and it's it's gonna tug at your heartstrings for sure. Definitely. Um, so just really quick before we finish up, uh, how about them Phillies? I don't want to talk about. That. <laughs> <laughs> if we had done this podcast a couple weeks ago, yeah, but we're we're three games back, and I just quickly checked the. My TV. We're in a rain delay at Washington right now because the Nationals, because the weather's bad, and the Nationals crew team doesn't know what the hell they're doing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, they're frustrating me. We're also really injured, but um, they're fun to watch this year, though, man. When they when they all get it together, and I'm, you know, I'm really happy with the addition of Bryce Harper. Um, I think what he's done for the team's been really good. Um, I my favorite. Two of my favorite additions have been JT Ramuto and, unfortunately, uh, Andrew McCutcheon got hurt. Right. And um, and then McCutcheon just seems like a great guy. Uh, I know you might not like him as a Reds fan because of all those years playing in Pittsburgh. But, yeah. Huh? <laughs> he was a Philly killer, too, dude. He was a Philly killer. <laughs> I had to reconcile that. Same thing with Harper. When Harper came over here, I was like, 
hated you for years. <laughs> but he's, you know, they, they've really embraced the city well, and they seem to really get along well. And uh, they, got, they remind me a lot of the 2017 Eagles team that won the Super Bowl. Like, they got a lot of – they kind of got some swagger. Yeah. Uh, not, not so much in, like, an arrogant way, but in a just, like, hey, we're – it kind of reminds me of playing baseball, of, like, that youthfulness, right, of going out there and, and having fun playing t-ball or, or what have you. So, yeah. Um, yeah. How about the Reds? <laughs> so, yeah, I know. That, that almost always follows laughter. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I'm actually um, pretty encouraged overall. Yeah by the yeah. Reds, um, especially just like last year was absolutely miserable mm-hmm. um, just in every way. Uh, but it seems like they've really done work on fixing their clubhouse culture. That's awesome. Um, which is, which is, and I think I, f- I wholeheartedly believe that if they had started four and four instead of one and eight, they'd be in second place yeah. um, because the one and eight start has really gotten to them and they've had a hard time stringing a couple of wins together, but mm-hmm. they're still winning regularly. Yeah. Um, and they've got a good pitching and they and you know, the offense hasn't been what it should be. And if the offense gets hot, this is a good team. I was going to say the pitching is good. Yeah. And, and that's the biggest change from last year is that the pitching was awful last year, I'm jealous uh, of you. but the <laughs> rotation, even without, you know, we went out and got Alex Wood in the off season and he still hasn't thrown a pitch for us. Um, so hopefully he doesn't become Ryan Madsen who oh, yeah. and didn't throw a pitch for us. Um, I, I love Brian Madsen's part of that 2008 Phillies team. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then he signed with Cincinnati and just took yep. me for all of 2011. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> and then he hit Joey Votto on purpose. Yeah. Right. One T. Well, we got, we got Jay Bruce on our team now too. He had a plenty of good years in Cincinnati. So yes. we got a lot of like cross populating here from Mercy. For sure. Yeah. Um, Jay Bruce is a great one. So, you yeah. know, enjoy having him while you've got him. Yeah. I was going to say, this is the opposite case of Ryan. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so, you know, uh, I really think that, if Yasiel Puig's bat gets going, for instance, um, honestly, if if you said the Reds would re-sign Yasiel Puig and Jose Iglesias and make another go with this exact team next year, I would say, okay, let's do it. Yeah, and I think that they would have a legit shot at the playoffs. That's um, awesome. Yeah, because yeah. they're in a tough division, but the clubhouse is—it's been so much fun to watch this team. Um, Derek Dietrich has been a great addition. Uh, Puig has not hit all that well, but he's been so much fun to have around. Yeah. Um, and then like Nick Senzel has come up and he's just been like every bit as good as advertised. Um, so as soon as the Reds start to hit consistently, um, they're, it's going to be a good team. I'm, I'm surprisingly encouraged for being six games under 500. Uh, you know, it's but it's just like compared to the last few years. I'm yeah, just yeah, like, yeah. Oh yeah, David Bell's amazing. The pitching staff is great. <laughs> um, and so the bats start working. This is a playoff team. Definitely, man. It's just like you said. It's a tough division. Exactly. But uh, but yeah. Now I'll I'll be curious. We'll have to again when I come back on. We'll have to do a, a check in later in the season and and see if I'm pulling my hair out yet. If the Phillies. Are- <laughs> Maybe they'll somehow, if the Braves ever stop playing well. But. Right. Yeah, the, the Braves have been unstoppable. Yes, they have. 
And I also want to go on record and disagree about Scott Rowland. But <laughs> save it for another podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Stay tuned to the next time Chris comes on to hear our thoughts, our differing thoughts. On we agree on TV, but uh, if you want to disagree about something, Scott Rowland. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> so um thanks again for coming on chris i really yeah, appreciate having you and uh we'll do this again soon uh if you people want to follow your work where where can they do that yeah you guys can just follow me on twitter at cKinger 13 that's where you'll find everything i'm doing one thing i quickly do want to plug is blaze hopkins and i and his cousin garrett we're gonna have a watchman podcast coming out soon for the new series in the fall nice um yeah so it's called uh, you're locked in here with us a watchman podcast be on the lookout for that we just recorded the first episode last night um and so we're gonna be rolling them out relatively soon we're nick and i are recording this in in like mid-june we'll probably have i would say by the end of june we will probably have some watchmen episodes out there for you guys so be on the lookout for that and nick will have to have you on one time blaze and i were already talking about it so yes um, i'm definitely gonna be watching that show so me too man damon Lindelof. but uh but yeah best best place to find anything is at cKinger 13 on twitter and uh, thank you again for having me, man. It's been a blast. Yeah, no problem. Um, so, you know, I still haven't set up the podcast website. Uh, obviously, I've been a little busy. Um, I don't, there's no podcast Twitter account, but use the hashtag Nick's Infinite Playlist if you want to, if you have an idea about the podcast, you want to talk about the podcast. Uh, we're on nine different platforms. So leave us a review, a rating, um, shout out, whatever you want to do. Uh, and in the meantime, keep listening and uh, good night and good luck.